0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, it's 7.06. It's Friday, the 2nd of February and you're listening to The Morning Run with a very suspiciously happy Philip C, and I'm Wong (laughs) Xiaoning. Now, in about 30 minutes, we'll be discussing the KL structure plan and how we can improve the livability in this wonderful city. But in the meantime, let's recap how global markets closed yesterday.
0: I'll tell you why I'm happy. The US markets finally got a reprieve after the previous day's carnage. The Dow was up 1%, S&P 500 and Nasdaq were both up 1.3%. But over in Asia, Nikkei was down 0.8%, Hang Seng up 0.5%. Shanghai Composite down 0.6%, Singapore's STI down 0.3%, and back home, we were closed.
1: Yeah, thank goodness. (laughs) Uh, For some insights on where international markets are heading, we speak to Brian Assis, Portfolio Manager and Equity Analyst at Ford Asset Management. Good morning, Brian. Can we get your first thoughts on the tech results that just came out? So the likes of Amazon, Meta and Apple, please.
2: Yes, of course. So, we are seeing at least uh, the first set of tech results come through. Some have been slightly disappointing. If we look at uh, Alphabet, for example, though still uh, quite a good result. Where others like a Microsoft um, had actually surprised to the upside. I mean, what we saw kind of two days ago versus last night was more a reaction to interest rate expectations than it was to earnings, but certainly large cap tech selling off rather materially kind of two days ago and having a bit of a reprieve, as, as you mentioned already, uh, yesterday. But, but in large part, earnings have been, I would say, okay, um, too slightly ahead of expectation.
0: Yeah, so I guess the question here is about these price earnings, right? Because currently the multiples tend about 50 round times. So the big debate is, are the lofty valuations specified right uh, moving forward
2: then? No, I think that that is obviously one of the, the largest questions I would be. I mean, some are obviously banting around the world uh, word bubble. I'm not so sure there is a bubble But the valuations, particularly of the Magnificent Seven, are very expensive. But if we take a step back and look at fundamentals, I mean, we saw earnings grow sort of 2023 over 2022 by about 30 percent for that group. So obviously very hefty growth. And even for this year, while growth will slow, earnings are expected to grow, at least if we look at consensus numbers, by around 15 percent. So despite the fact that Some in the group trade at at 50 times. There are more reasonably priced companies within the group as well. So we are underweight given the valuations. We are value-oriented and fundamental investors. We wouldn't necessarily call it a bubble yet. We would just call it a very expensive portion of the market.
1: So, Brian, what are you then overweight?
2: So we're actually, we are overweight, consumer-oriented sectors and companies. But just not in the U.S., not in that large cap tech bucket. So we are overweight uh, companies that are more geared to the Chinese consumer, for example, where we actually have the opposite. We have earnings growing also at double digit rates. So basically in line with the S&P, but valuations are less than half of what the S&P is trading at and certainly far, far lower than, than what the Magnificent Seven are trading at.
1: But at the same time, you have this backdrop of China's economy, perhaps doing okay, but not doing its best. And you have structural issues like the property sector. How do you factor that into your
2: overweight call, though? Because there's still risk, isn't it? No, there's absolutely risk. So for us, you have to look at, uh, you always have to sort of take that important step back and look at the underlying fundamentals. So economies are cyclical. I mean, China's economy is cyclical as well. And you're very right to point out uh, the property overhang. I mean, at 20% of GDP, it will take a period of time for China to work through this overhang in the property sector. But we have to then look at how are earnings going to grow through the period if they are? And for many companies, we see that earnings are still continuing to grow. And then what are the price as investors are we paying for those earnings? And so if we look at Uh, Some companies in that consumer space, like an Alibaba, for example, or like a JD.com, we do see companies that are compounding earnings at low double-digit rates, but are trading at kind of cash earning multiples at only four, five, six times. And for us, that's a very high margin of error. So we may not be able to pick the absolute bottom, um, and we do need to be patient, but it, it seems to be quite an attractive buying opportunity for the mm. investors that that can stomach volatility and have the time horizon.
0: Do you know? Do fund managers take a very different approach to allocation on Indian equities versus Chinese equities? Then
2: they do. I mean, we so India in many ways is it's not the polar opposite, but it is quite opposite where you have. Uh, big structural long-term advantages uh, like demographics, which would be a headwind for China. You have an economy that's actually firing on many cylinders, um, where China is not at the moment. And you do have earnings growth that is also quite robust in India. The biggest piece that is different is that margin of safety. And the entry point is quite important. So Indian equities are pricing in much, if not all, of the good news, where Chinese equities are pricing in much, if not all, or even more, of the bad news. So we are invested in both, Philip. We have we ha- have investments in Indian equities and in Chinese equities. But on a relative basis, we certainly find Chinese equities more attractive uh, presently.
1: So aside from the consumer names in China, what has piqued your interest? Would you look at tech, which so far hasn't done very well?
2: We would. I mean, we... we We spend a lot of time, we're quite generalists. Mm. So we are sector and industry agnostic. Um, We are looking at tech. We are looking at uh, new energy. So Mm. renewables, batteries, EVs, which aren't a material portion of our portfolio yet, but we can certainly see them growing over time. And that's where we are spending uh, a decent amount of our time doing that bottoms up fundamental analysis are within those sort of quote unquote new economy sectors that in particular in China, will grow at a significantly higher rate than property, but also offer much higher returns to investors, returns on equity, that is. So they're much better businesses for the Chinese economy to be based on over the long term.
1: All right. Thank you very much for your time. That was Brian Arcee's portfolio manager and equity analyst at Ford Asset Management saying that the big tech in the US, they're they're, trading at lofty valuations. So maybe it's time to look at China tech but Mm. of course there are risks but the valuations because they're so cheap warrant a look if provided you have the risk appetite and you have the time horizon
0: yeah if you're longer term in nature very interesting how you contrasted that with India and as you mentioned about the tech in the US yes expensive but not yet a bubble
1: uh, well, depends on who the,
0: you look at, you, who you you, speak which, to, one you're,
1: which tech company you're referring to. <laughs> uh, but let's break it down because there were three that came out just a few hours ago. Let's start with the, the ones that did better. And I think Amazon comes to mind. Their share price climbed more than 8% after reporting fourth quarter results and a current quarter guidance that exceeded analysts' expectations. This is due to online shopping in the 2023 holiday season, as well as its growth in the cloud business.
0: That's right. Earnings per share came in at $1 versus $0.80. Cents. Revenue rose 14% to $170 billion. If you break down the three core segments, it has online sales up 9%, Amazon Web Services, right, up 13%, and advertising revenue grew 27%. But perhaps it's also because they began to show ads on Prime Video.
1: Guess what? Do you know that they are the third largest company in terms of ad revenue? I, fun fact. Fun fact,
0: right? Because I always, I think I just only heard they started getting to the advertising fray about two, three years ago, right? And to grow this fast is truly phenomenal.
1: The other thing is, of course, their CEO, after taking over from Jeff Bezos, his name is... Andy in, Okay, see, I can only remember Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos. He really has come up, turned around this company. When it was under Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos, they used to take this very entrepreneurial approach, try new things, spend money on new businesses, new ventures, new ideas. And then if it fails, it's fine. Okay, this guy, he's a bit of a bean counter. He doesn't take that approach. He's very much into looking at what delivers, what costs he can cut. So the fat in Amazon, really gone. It's about being a lean, mean machine. So
0: all the muscle now. I think this is also a function of different leadership at different times of you know the company's evolution.
1: Okay, talking about muscle, someone who likes Muay Thai apparently is, of course... Uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the key of the meta fame. So, their share price also jumped 15%. This is on the back of their first ever dividend and share buyback. So, reported revenue that beat expectations thanks to robust ad and device sales. Revenue rose by 25% to 40.1% billion. Dollars. This is just
0: one quarter. <laughs> really good numbers though. Earnings per share came in at $5.33, exceeding estimates of $4.96. Daily active users, I'm talking 2.11 billion users. Well, monthly active users stood at 3 billion people. I think that's about Facebook 40%, is back. Forty percent of the population.
1: Are you are you back on Facebook? Is that why, Philip?
0: I I am actually. I'm back on Facebook because I've actually de-installed Instagram. <gasps> what? Yes, because I think it's just too distracting for me. So, but Facebook is a bit more calmer for me. You're showing your age. <laughs> yes, it is.
1: But by the way, sixty-three buys on uh, Meta, seven holes, just three sells. Consensus target price for this stock four hundred and thirteen US dollars and ninety-seven cents. Last time price actually three three hundred ninety-four dollars and seventy-eight cents during regular market hours. But we have to talk about one more stock, which is of course what was the most valuable, expensive company in the world—valuable, but no longer anymore. I think that's been dethroned by Microsoft, and it's. Apple and their share price were down 4% even though results were actually beat estimates because people weren't happy with iPhone sales in China.
0: That's right. Revenues rose 2%. As you said, earnings pressure came in at $2. If you unpack the numbers here, sales growth in all regions except for Greater China fell close to 13%, right? This is a result of increased competition from local firms like Huawei. Someone has spilled the Apple cart.
1: Yes, and guess what? No guidance was provided for the current quarter. I think the question is, how much more can these devices really improve Apple's market share, there comes to a certain point of saturation. So the next growth is always going to be on subscription and whether that can compensate, I think that's the big question. But Apple still, that's why you see in terms of the buys, only 34 as opposed to 15 holes and 6 sells. Consensus price for this once upon, once upon a time, darling, 200 US dollars, last time price during regular market hours, 186 US dollars and 86 cents. I wonder after this whether we will see Uh, more downgrades actually Mm. because we did see some at the beginning of the year Well up next we'll be covering the top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning Stay tuned BFM 89.9
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station For more stories of the same kind download the BFM app